Hall of Shame is brought to you by Philo TV. Do you love TV but hate the size of your cable bill? Philo is your solution. It offers more than 50 channels of TV live and on demand for just $20 a month. They have so, so many networks, MTV, VH1, BET. They have so many shows like RuPaul's Drag Race, which I know you and I both absolutely uh, love. And I just found out this week that my best friend is going to be on. Amazing. I'm so uh, so excited for him. He's been doing drag for a couple years and what what a Yay. treat. With Philo you save hundreds a month on TV. It's the most affordable way to watch at a time when everyone could use some entertainment in their life. Philo was created by a bunch of passionate TV fans that wanted to make a better way to watch. There are no contracts. It's cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free and provides unparalleled customer service. One of the better features is its unlimited DVR, which allows you to save all of your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. It also allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams so everyone in the house can have their own saved shows and up to three simultaneous streams. Never fight over who gets to pick what to watch. Philo is easy to use, super easy to sign up, and you can watch by phone, laptop, tablet, or TV with Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, or Android TV. Philo is TV for everyone. Sign up today at philo.tv shame and you will get 25% off your first two months. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash shame. Hey guys, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Frookbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Rachel, mm-hmm. today I want to talk to you about something near and dear to our hearts. To our hearts. Can you guess? Okay. Yes. Okay. The Cleveland uh, Browns. I figured you were going to say that. All right. Should I get some Kleenex ready? Should I, uh, I make think, some comfort Yeah. Food? I mean, I think you should like definitely put on a cozy sweater <laughs> and really buckle down for this one. Uh, Before I start, yeah. a little background. Okay. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Obviously, I know that. which is a football town. The Football Hall of Fame is just down the road in Canton, and football is like interwoven into our lives. Like it's just a piece of life in Cleveland. Yeah, totally. The way I guess I could equate it to hockey for you or I mean, <laughs> I guess if you want to generalize. <laughs> Anyway, when my dad first moved to the States from India, sports was sort of the thing that connected him to this new country. And he initially lived in Queens, so he was a Yankees fan, which is fine. We forgive him. It was the 70s. But I think the thing that really solidified that connection for him Mm -hmm. was becoming a football fan in Cleveland. Do you think he wanted to get into sports so that he had something to talk about with people? He wanted to, like, fit in more? Yeah, like, I don't think he did it so consciously. I think he was a huge, like, cricket fan in India. But I think, like, wow. it's something that translates. You know what I mean? The way that, like, you you were a hockey fan growing up, and now you're a football fan. And it's just, like, a way to connect to wherever you move, you know? Yeah. When your dad moved to, you said he start, he landed in Queens first. What was he doing? How old was he? Like, what was his deal? He was a medical resident. What? Excuse and he was like, him? Wow. Like, 26 or whatever. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. That's crazy. It's so funny. My mom, so they got arranged, they were arranged, which is so interesting, (gasps) different podcast. (laughs) And uh, so they got married and then he moved here a few years before my mom joined him. And she said when she got here, he had not yet bought a dresser, but his like clothes were organized in these paper bags. (laughs) (laughs) I love that they were organized still. They were organized. (laughs) Yeah. Can we dedicate an entire podcast just on your dad? Because he already sounds so fascinating. Ah, thank you. We can. I love that. Let's do it. 
Well, I'll tell you what. His fandom passed down to me and my little sister. So it's it continues. The legacy continues. Nice. When I moved to L.A., I used to go to Dublin's on Sunset. Maybe you remember it. And I would watch football. I would watch the Browns because that was an official Browns backers bar. So... The Browns backers are an official. Hold on. Are you a part of the Browns backers? <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a jacket or something? <laughs> There's no jacket. You just kind of join, but there's, it's like an organization of Browns fans outside of Cleveland. Can I join? You should join. It has like 300,000 members. I'm doing this. Girl, I know. <laughs> Browns backers. I can't believe you haven't already. Anyway, look, we Browns fans, as you and I both know, are super loyal. This is one of the most storied franchises in football with a long, rich history, but also a painful one. (laughs) (laughs) Super painful. And that is where I want to take my story today. Okay, so we're, this is interesting to me because I'm a new Browns fan, only like about two seasons old. And I know... Even just after two years, I'm like, okay, I get it. There's a lot of pain and suffering. This team sucks. And and now I'm here until the end. But I've always heard these horror stories about how the Browns were so bad for so long. So I guess this is going to be my history lesson today. Okay. So today... I want to share with you one of my most devastating memories of being a Browns fan and basically just like share with you a bigger story about a city and a team that are basically cursed. Okay. So we're going to we're going to walk through history and you know, I don't know like prepare to fall in love, I think. Let's do it. So the Browns were founded in 1946. Okay. They were named after their original coach and owner, Paul Brown. <laughs> not creative. The Browns. Their colors were brown, orange, and white because this is not about fashion. It's about football. Thank you. That should be on like the yes. welcome sign to Cleveland. <laughs> not about fashion. You know what? I'm going to contact somebody. Call the mayor. <laughs> I know, right? All right. So in 1961, the Browns were bought by a successful businessman named Art Modell. Uh, He's credited with helping promote the NFL and making it the success it is today. And for the most part, he's super, he was well regarded in Cleveland. We also had, at the time, a huge superstar, a Hall of Fame running back and three-time MVP Jim Brown, not related to our name. (laughs) Why are there (laughs) so many Browns? So many Browns. On the Browns. Um, I know. Jim Brown set a bunch of records and became the only NFL player in history to average over 100 rushing yards per game. Wow. That's that's insane. Yeah. Like no one has ever done that again. It's amazing. Still to this day, he holds that record. That's really impressive. Yeah. This dude is widely considered to be the best NFL player to ever play the game in the history of the league. Wow. That's amazing. So Brown's off to a great start. Fun side note about Jim Brown, he went on to have a little bit of a career in the film industry. He's like the OG athlete transitioning to acting. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Before Kareem was in Airplane. He was the one that made it, like, doable. Yeah. There was Jim Brown in 100 Rifles. Watch out for 100 Rifles. Watch out for Jim Brown. Having one of the first interracial love scenes in movies. He had a love scene, too. Wow. With Raquel Welsh. And his co-star was Burt Reynolds. Yeah, wow. What is your name? I'm Lyndon Echo. Policeman. So basically, these early Browns are crushing it. They played in a league before the NFL of today existed. 
and they were awesome in it. They won championships in 1950, 54, 55, and 64. <laughs> the championship. Right before it all got really official, we were great. Got it. Classic. So kind of just like Cleveland was booming with its steel industry, the Browns were also killing it. It felt like the perfect fit, this awesome, hard-nosed team playing for a blue-collar, no-nonsense city. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that same way, like the story of the Browns kind of mirrors the story of Cleveland as like steel went away and the city struggled to find its new place. The Browns kind of did the same. I feel like there is something to be said, though, about like your team mirroring your city. I feel like I would love them so much more because they like there's like grit in that. And, you know, we're kind of on the same side. So I, I like that. I agree. You're like simpatico. It's like you relate to the, not just like the excitement of the team, but like the way they embody who you feel like you are. You're all going through something. Yeah, I like Yes, that. I agree. And I think that's p- a piece of this like deep connection between the city and the team. Yeah. Um, so in the 70s, the fans continued to be amazing, even though the team kind of wallowed in mediocrity. Um, but right at the end of the decade, in the first game of the 1979 season, their luck started to turn around. There's a game. Cleveland Browns versus the New York Jets, and the Browns were up six, six, going into the fourth quarter. But in the last five minutes of the game, classic, they give up a touchdown and blow their lead. It is tied up. 19-19, extra point to come. But... The Jets miss the extra point. So the game is now tied 19 to 19 and the Browns get possession back. But he's carrying that ball in the wrong hand. They immediately give the ball back to the Jets on a fumbled return. It was Mark Merrill, Mark Merrill who recovered the fumble at the Cleveland 34 yard line first down. And the Jets are able to kick an easy field goal to go up 22 to 19. So with two minutes left. So Cleveland now with 153 remaining. Their work is cut out. The Browns still have a chance. They trail by three. Sight goes deep into coverage. Do some But they throw a hail mary down the field, and of course the ball gets intercepted. He steals the ball away from Browns fans are like, "Well, this is how we do." The Jets have the football. But third, but when the Browns finally get the ball back, there are 30 seconds left on the clock. They're down by three. They get one last chance to win. At this point, the Jets think they have the game in the bag, and probably Cleveland fans are also like, whatever. They're like emptying out of the stadium. Yeah. In fact, the Jets fans were so sure of victory that many are like filing out of the stadium. Well, guys, big mistake. For the tie and overtime. Because with eight seconds left, the Browns make a big passing play. It is up. It is gone. And get a key penalty against the Jets that allow them to make a 35-yard field goal to tie the game as the clock expires. Can I just hop in here for a sec? You leave the stadium early if you think your team is going to lose. You don't leave the stadium early if your team is probably going to win. Lame. You stick around to celebrate. Jets fans, that's pathetic. That's so lame. Agreed. Anyway, so with this field goal... The Browns take the game into overtime. So Cleveland will have the football at the New York Jets 31 yard line. And with less than 30 seconds left in overtime, the game is still tied. The Browns intercept the ball. And the victory. Move into field goal range. Kick a field goal. That's good. And the Browns win. 
So began an era with the team known as the Cardiac Kids because of their incredible ability to come back to win multiple games in the final moments. So fun. What a great nickname. And the Cardiac Kids was a super fun team to root for. We had quarterback Brian Seip, fullback Mike Pruitt, tight end Ozzie Newsome, and wide receivers Reggie Rucker and Dave Logan. These guys were super fun. Cardiac Kids t-shirts and hats became a common sight in Dude, Cleveland. Dude, we gotta so find they were already, these. This like where do we get those? Gear. Let's get on eBay. I mean, and the players literally could not go anywhere in the city without getting swarmed by fans. People were into it. Oh, I'm sure. People just buying them beers, shots. So just a little fun anecdote about how connected this team and these fans are. The Browns are coming back from Houston, and at the airport, the fans are all waiting. And as a decoy, defensive mm-hmm. end Lyle Alzado, who weighed about 250 pounds, literally runs and dives on top of the crowd. They go ballistic. <laughs> He's like at a concert while the rest of the Browns sneak oh out of the bus. And they were like, it was electric. He's a hero. Yeah. He's a superstar. It's so They were basically like the Rolling Stones. Anyway, the point is, Browns fans are the greatest on earth. Yes. And we truly are because we've been tested and proven ourselves to stay loyal despite. So after the Cardiac Kids, we suffered through an era of great teams in the 1980s that were cursed with some of the most heartbreaking playoff losses you could imagine. They are named Red Right 88, The Drive, and The Fumble. Oh, my God. Just a real quick recap. Hold on. They have names? That's how like, <laughs> detrimental they They are were? so <laughs> correct. They are, like, not to be forgotten. So Red Right 88 is a last-minute loss to the Oakland Raiders in the 1981 playoffs where we had the opportunity to take the lead with a field goal but the coach opted to run a passing play instead. Was it intercepted? Oakland, got Oakland intercepted the ball. And then it was intercepted. And Michael the last Davis minute. is the man to pick it off. Oh, That's just a great play. Stupid. And a, and a very Stupid. But despite that rough loss to start the decade, we continue to be good that whole decade. It was like another super fun Super talented team. There was quarterback Bernie Kozar, wide receiver Webster Slaughter, tight end Ozzie Newsome, running backs Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner, and linebacker Bob Golick, who was a Cleveland native. Before there was mm-hmm. LeBron, there was Bob Golick. So <laughs> fans were in. So this team is really good. And twice we made it after that sad loss to Oakland to the AFC Championship game. For those of you who don't know, that's literally the game right before the Super Bowl. Yeah. So mind you, since you the win Super that Bowl to get into the Super became, Bowl. we won four championships before the Super Bowl was a thing and haven't yet won. So in the 1986 AFC Championship game, the draft. Touchdown, Mark Jackson. Basically, Denver Broncos quarterback John Elway in the final minutes of the game led the team to an improbable 98-yard drive to beat us in overtime. It took Elway five minutes and six seconds to complete the drive of the game. This devastating. The very next year in 1987, we make it all the way back to the AFC Championship game, only this time to be within minutes of winning. Draw to Biner. Ernest Biner. Fumble. Fumble the ball, and Denver has recovered. Oh, my. Star running back Ernest Biner fumbles the ball on the one-yard line right before he was about to score to take the lead. There it is, Denver's ball at the two-yard line. With one minute left in the game, handing the victory over. Biner had the first and goal and lost the ball. 
You must have been so young when this stuff was going down. So like, I did your dad 10. teach you about this as you were getting older? Or you were oh, in it. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> I'm older than you. I'm trying to give you listen, I'm trying to give you credit. I'm saying you were a baby when these things no, were God. happening. And so, you say, No, no, I was a teenager. Up until now, I was young. <laughs> For these two losses, I like remember eating seven layer dip in pure utter devastation. I was ten and eleven, respectively. <laughs> so I mean it <laughs> you know, I I remember these years. It cur- it yeah. Um it scarred you. Yeah. Okay. But despite all these scars, deep deep scars in our heart, we fans, we stick by our guys, mm-hmm. okay? An example, as we're going through these horrifying losses in the 80s, the Brown Star cornerback at the time, Hanford Dixon, nicknamed the defense the Dogs. Our defense was awesome. The dogs is a reference to like him thinking of the defense as dogs chasing around the offense, which he thought of as cats. And they were just like a hardcore defense that just like crushed it. And not only did he name the defense the dogs, but they put up a sign in the bleacher section called the dog pound and the fans like wholeheartedly adopted it. And so now to this day, the bleacher section at Cleveland Stadium is known as the dog pound. And like these guys took it to heart they wore dog noses dog masks bone shaped hats oh yeah they would like throw bones on the field <laughs> like amazing oh my god well i see you see them every single broadcast yeah. like they're out it's there amazing and they've got like face paint yes they go hard so that's my team and that's my team's fans and now your team and that brings us to the mid 90s so in the 1994 season the Browns finished with a really good record of 11 and 5 and won our first playoff game in 5 years under head coach Bill Belichick, a name you might recognize, Hall of Fame coach and Let's winner. Go Billy. Yes, winner of multiple Super Bowls. Uh, widely considered to be one of the all-time greats, despite some cheating allegations, but that's a different episode. <laughs> one of the all-time <laughs> greatest cheaters, for sure. <laughs> Rachel has no love loss for Bill Belichick, I think. No, I don't. Um, Sorry. But anyway, we were really good, looking good. And when we were going into the next season in 1995, people were like, oh, this team could finally be the one that wins the Super Bowl. Mm. So it was an exciting time, yet again. Uh, midway through the season, we're doing all right. And then Art Modell... The owner that we talked about earlier, the owner of the Browns since 1961. People like him. Yeah. Meets with the team one morning. Business as usual. Mm -hmm. But that night, out of nowhere, Art Modell goes down to Baltimore, which is weird. And he makes a speech at Camden Yards and announces something that shook (gasps) Cleveland and the Browns fans to their core. Wow. But we're going to have to go to an ad break before I tell you what happened. No. Okay, yeah, it's fine. Hall of Shame is brought to you by BetterHelp. Are you stuck at home? Yes. Mm-hmm. Feeling isolated? Yes. Worried about the state of things? Check. I feel like that's that's a yes across the board for most people right now. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can help. You can talk to a licensed online therapist and find relief. BetterHelp therapists specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, insomnia, family conflicts, and more. Well, that sounds like something you need always, but especially right now. Especially right now. You'll connect with 
your counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you will love in less than 24 hours. Easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, plus exchange unlimited messages. Rechna, you and I love this. I text my love therapist it. as is. This is an awesome part. Yeah. If for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can get professional help when you want it, wherever you are. BetterHelp is a truly affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code SHAME. We absolutely need to change that. <laughs> There's no shame in this game. There's no shame. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com shame. That's BetterHelp.com shame. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. Their flagship product, Propolis Throat Spray, which I love, love, is your daily defense when it comes to supporting your immune health and soothing sore and scratchy throats. Never heard of Propolis before? It's a powerful antioxidant-rich bee product with medicinal use dating back to 300 BC. Trust anything before 1800. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the rule of thumb here. This stuff really works. I use propolis throat spray like every day. It's amazing. It's I so love it. good. Just if you feel your allergies coming on, sometimes even just if I'm, I don't know, I'm just like off. <laughs> well, I feel like we've all been stuck inside of our homes and like breathing in this dry, stale air. air. So it's no totally. wonder, you know, sometimes we go to bed, our throats hurt. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing. I love it. Propolis Throat Spray is sustainably sourced and contains just three simple ingredients with no refined sugars, dyes, or hard to pronounce chemicals inside. What is propolis? Bees make propolis out of plant and tree resins. This stuff is not honey. Propolis is made and used by bees to defend their hive from germs. It's the hive's immune system, and now it's my immune system. <laughs> love and it. I love it. Another product I think you're really into is the Bee Lixer Brain Fuel. Well, I feel like we both really like this because we like to feel smart. Yeah. And this it helps. This helps. It makes me feel focused, awake. It's like a substitute for coffee yeah. for me. Um, I love it. Which is great. It definitely makes you feel sharp. Mm -hmm. I crushed a crossword on it, so. Wow. I don't think I've ever crushed a crossword in my life. Should I try <laughs> it on the brain fuel? I think you should. V-Lixer Brain Fuel is a productivity shot that supports clearer thinking and deep focus. Plus, it helps promote a healthier brain over time. Which, hey, long-term good braining, I'm in. Love a good long-term brain. Take a shot first thing in the morning or before an important video conference to beat brain fog, find your flow, and be on your A-game without caffeine or sugar. See, guys? I need more of this stuff. We need to stock up. I need to, like... Guys? Yeah. <laughs> guys, you listening? <laughs> We could all use more daily defense right now, and Propolis Throat Spray is a game changer. It's time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with Beekeepers Naturals. To save 15% on your first order, go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash shame. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash shame. Spell out that whole thing. You'll get 15% off. Meet your new medicine cabinet with Beekeepers Naturals. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Shippo. For e-commerce businesses, shipping in two days or less is the new standard. As a growing business, how can you keep up? Introducing Shippo, your business's new secret weapon. Shippo is the only shipping software for growing businesses that you can start today, set up in minutes, and then ship today. Because they ship hundreds of millions of packages, Shippo's volume discounts save you up to 90% off carrier rates. 
Simply connect your online store to Shippo. No coding or technical expertise required. They will instantly identify the lowest shipping rates from 55 plus top global carriers like UPS, USPS, FedEx, and DHL. Your orders are automatically pulled in and ready to go. Just click, print, and ship. Plus, automated return labels are free. You only pay if your customers use them. Customers that use Shippo save thousands of dollars, free up hours of valuable time, and on average grow 77% year over year. Join over 100,000 companies like Goat, Hims, and MeUndies who are saving up to 90% off carrier rates with Shippo. For our listeners, they are offering their best discount available anywhere. Get a shipping consultation and Shippo Pro Plan six-month trial for free at goshippo.com slash shame. That's up to a $700 value for free at goshippo.com slash shame. Go right now and get your shipping consultation and Shippo Pro Plan six-month trial for free at goshippo.com slash shame. Okay, so we're back. Art Modell, he's in Baltimore. Super strange. And he makes a speech at Camden Yards, which is where the Baltimore Orioles play. The city of Baltimore rejoiced Monday as Cleveland Browns owner Art Modell announced his intention to move the story Browns franchise to Baltimore. And announces that he's relocating the Browns to Baltimore for the 96 season, literally for the next season. No! Girl. This blindsided everyone. Your dad must have been devastated. Walk me, walk me through your home. Like, what was happening that night in your home? I want you to know that, like, the next day, like, I had school and, like, every class started with the teachers being like, I, it, it was like a version. If you need of, to like, talk a very to a guidance counselor yes. today, they're available. Yes. No it way. was a little bit like, let's, you know, let's take a minute to process what has happened. It was a big deal. Like, Everyone was blindsided. The coach, the city, the team, like everyone. This asshole. Total devastation and chaos. I mean, this team is literally the heart of the city. For some, it was too much to bear. You leave a lot of memories here, though, right? Yeah. Like, really sad to see him go. Stuck. Don't even know how to react. Some knew exactly what they wanted to do. Fans tore up the stadium seats, took them as mementos. Seats that have been in place since 1931 were torn out and taken home for mementos. That's promotional. Others ripped off seats and threw them on the stadium grounds. A woman's crying. A man says he's devastated. Was that woman you? <laughs> you just now you're like, steps. you went from thinking I was a tiny baby, like, and now you're like, are, were you Listen, 80? Now I understand. <laughs> Was this yesterday? <laughs> Everybody's like, how old is this person? How old is, is Rechna a Highlander? Everybody, I was born in 1977. All right. So fans reportedly threw faxes. Remember those guys? <laughs> Over the walls of the NFL offices in Cleveland. They Hold sp- on. <laughs> don't, just, don't just brush past that. I think <laughs> they threw them. They must have been like, I'm. I'm picturing like a photocopier machine, like no, 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 like the the paper, like the faxes, angry faxes, (laughs) like papers. Oh, like papers, (laughs) not fax machines. I thought the machine. (laughs) Maybe people were upset. Like actually, probably a machine or two was thrown. They sent like so much mail and so many phone calls to the NFL franchise owners. They like took to TV, radio, and the newspapers to protest. Um, Yeah, that's like calling your senators today. Yeah. Cardiac Kids t-shirts replaced with Muck Fodell t-shirts. You get it. You get what that meant. I need that as well. I need all of this merch. That's amazing. 
And like this was so big, a ton of huge companies pulled their sponsorships. McDonald's good. and Continental I, Airlines. I love when that happens. It was so I good. I love when that, as shitty as it is, money is what it's all about. That's it. So like legit here, McDonald's and Continental Airlines. I don't know if you remember them, but at the time, they <laughs> Cleveland was one of their hubs. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway. They were like, we want no part of this madness. <laughs> These people are angry. And guess what? A lot of people in Cleveland eat McDonald's. <laughs> oh. um, even the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are legit, like, are hated rivals. Like, there is no love lost between these two teams. They're our biggest rival. They, like, their fans protested because they understood what a big deal this was. Yeah. Oh, my As God. As a show of support. Um, As a football fan, yeah. that you would recognize that to, that to be a terrible Insane. thing. Season ticket holders of the Browns brought a class action lawsuit against Modell, who settled for $3 million. Whatever. You don't settle unless you're guilty. Wow. <laughs> so it was basically like Art Modell saying to a city, you know that thing you plan your whole autumn around? That thing that keeps you moving through those brutal Cleveland winters? Literally one of the mainstays that your city's identity is defined by? Well, I'm taking it away to Baltimore. She gone. What <laughs> so about Say what goodbye, and you don't have any time. Like, it's happening at the end asshole. of the season. <laughs> so after Th- the That's maybe was, one of the craziest things, is that he gives no time. It's not like, we're going to move no. in a year from now, so let's have like Five this seasons big later. finale. No. Wow. Nothing. No time to grieve. It's kind of like how we had no time truly to, and then all of a sudden we were locked in our homes. It's Seriously. not true. We did have time to prepare and we didn't. True. You hear that, Donald Trump? We all had time. Yeah. Okay. I think he listens to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. Um, so Modell was claiming like his money was running low and his patience was wearing thin. And so he had to move. Here's the deal. Of course, Cleveland curse as ever. Days after Modell made the announcement public, the city passed a referendum that did allow them wow. to fund the improvements on the stadium that Modell had asked for, but it was too late. Okay, great. So then they don't have to move. No. Nope. Why was it too late? Too late. He already had signed, you know, I don't understand. Oh, stuff, but... pish posh. Yeah. Fax it away. <laughs> so Modell expressed a lot of sadness. This has been a very, very tough road for my family and for me. I leave Cleveland, Ohio, 35 years and leave my heart, a good part of my heart and soul there. I can never forget the kindness of the people of Cleveland, the fans that supported the Browns for years. But frankly, it came down to a simple proposition. I had no choice. Boo. Okay, so never forget the kindness of the people. Yeah, it, you forgot it the second you took the team to Baltimore, <laughs> bitch. Please, fuck that. Modell knows what he did. He knew what it meant. He broke the heart of an entire city. And don't give me the money argument, Modell. Here's my thing. You are a multi-millionaire. Once we're talking about 20, 30, 40 million dollars, like you got plenty of money. His family was fine. It's like old rich white men and their money. Always being on brand. <laughs> always just hoarding that shit to this day. Even in a pandemic. I'm going to stop. I, We're not here for that. We're here to be distracted from that. I can't imagine, <laughs> though, with the amount of fans that the Browns had in Cleveland. Like, are you really going to make that much more money in Baltimore yeah. when you have like these diehard fans here already? The NFL operates at such a high profit. Like, this guy's doing fine. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. So even the players on the Browns were completely rattled. This city has some of the greatest fans in sports, so they're very connected to it. They were so rattled that this team that was predicted by many to get to the Super Bowl that year ended up losing 
every single game for the rest of the season, except for one against the Bengals, who's their rival. I mean, it was rough. I hope that they did that on purpose. I hope that they did that on purpose for the fans because they were like, screw this guy. Double middle fingers. Let me ask you this. The game against the Bengals, was it a home game? Yes. It was like closing the season. Absolutely. They were doing it for the fans. And I commend that. They were like, we're going to give you one big win against our big rival. Yeah. But other than that. That's got to be the most devastating thing. Yeah. So wait, when he had made this announcement, it was like, how many games into the season do you know? Halfway, halfway through. What a fucking I mean, asshole! Fuck you. That's like I'm always talking about how Jerry Jones likes to meddle with the Cowboys and like literally will <laughs> go and talk to media about how terrible his quarterback was right after the game. Yeah, but like this no is respect. some meddling sorcery. Like that's insane. But Cleveland, being Cleveland, did not go down without a fight. A judge granted the city an injunction that led to Modell being required to adhere to the terms of a contract he signed with the city back in 1973. And the terms of that contract stated that the city would retain the name of the Browns, the team's colors, logos, and records. Okay. What happened was, basically, Cleveland would get the Browns back in 1999 as an expansion team, and Modell would receive a new franchise that would become known as the Baltimore Ravens. So we would get, like, the name of the Browns and the colors, you know, and the oh, logo great. and all that. Thanks. But he would take. Thanks. We get to stay being called the Browns. Yeah. And he he would take the entire Browns roster for his new franchise. So it's like a small victory for Cleveland. But ultimately, mm-hmm. Modell gets the better deal because. Well, yeah. He gets the truth the is. Guys. Yeah. Being an expansion team is hard. Like yeah. Modell got to take the biggest piece of what made the Browns the Browns, which is the actual team. Yeah. Uh, a Super Bowl winning team. Well, no, never <laughs> won a Super Bowl. I said almost. Oh. Almost. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, when you're an expansion team, you're building from scratch. There's no franchise player you're starting with, no solid O-line that's already in place. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to keep the name and the colors and the logos and the records, but we're basically a baby franchise starting at square one. And that usually means you're bad for a while. And guess yeah. what? <laughs> we were. It's been a while. We've only had two winning seasons in 2002 and 2007 since the expansion. (laughs) One playoff appearance in 2002, just to remind everyone we're in 2020. And no playoff wins. And we've only won (laughs) around a third of our games. (laughs) What? In 2016 and 2017, under head coach Hugh Jackson, we went, wait for it, one and 31. We literally, in the year 2017, went 0-16. Like, it's as hard to go fully defeated as it is to go fully undefeated. That's it's, almost it's impossible. Right. From 2016 to 2017, the Browns literally had the worst stretch in NFL history. Meanwhile. <laughs> there's more. There's one more dagger, Rachel. The hits keep coming. But you have to be on this full journey. We all do. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. In 1999, the Browns come back as an expansion team, and they're struggling, and they're not good, as we just talked about, and haven't mm-hmm. been basically since then. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the next year, in 2000, the Baltimore Ravens, made up of a roster that's a, a lo- huge piece of the team that was taken from them, and the rest of it filled in by General Manager Ozzie Newsom, who would have been in Cleveland. That team... The Baltimore Ravens end the season on an 11-game winning streak. Wins the Super Bowl. Lombardi Trophy, and the Ravens are the champions of the world. 
That's bullshit. So basically, if the Browns had the Browns stayed in 2. Cleveland, won the Super Bowl. Yeah, Ravens Browns two point won the Super Bowl. And let's rewrite the Wikipedia page. That's it, girl. I mean, okay. So digesting, right? I feel like this is more than just the story of <laughs> the horrifying time in my life when the Browns were taken from Cleveland. I just want you to know it was horrible. It was my senior year of wear, high school. It was my senior me, year of high school. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you wear being a Browns fan as kind of like a badge of honor? Oh, because girl. you have been like you look at totally. other sports fans and you're like, oh, you, you have know. no idea yeah. what it's like to be a true sports fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. To me, being a Browns fan is like being a Cubs fan before the Cubs finally won the World Series. Like, it is right up there with, like, the most painful fandoms in the history of sports. But I do feel like that's the best kind of team to support. And hear me out. It's going to be so trash for so long. But when you win, like, I liken it to, you know, the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors, the basketball team. Oh, girl. Um, They were bad for a long while like I started loving this team when Vince Carter was playing when I was like 10 years old really they were an expansion team right yeah and then they kind of grew up and there were seasons where they would make it in the playoffs but then LeBron came and he was in the east and it was just we were just like garbage and then they won last year and I was there I flew to Oakland I bought the tickets I was there in the stands and I was bawling my eyes out because I was like we as a city have earned this joy and I'm going to tell my kids about it. And there's just so like, you know, you have to ride it out and hopefully like in our lifetime, we can experience the Browns winning the Super Bowl, and it will be the greatest feeling ever. All right. I agree. Let me tell you, I know a piece of what you're talking about. So Cleveland as a city Mm -hmm. is pretty cursed. Like it's, I think it's the only major city that has all three sports that has like won so little. So, like, our baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, haven't won a World Series since 1948. Ouchie. And the Cavs also hadn't won anything until 2016 when LeBron finally brought us a championship. So I can totally relate to your Raptors. You guys got to experience the parade. We and I mean it was so earned. Imagine, and like, listen, I so we won the championship on Father's Day to bring this story full circle to my dad. Oh. And my sister and I were watching it together with our young children. And it was like the most emotional. Also so sobbing. Like sports is bigger than just people playing on a court or a field. Yeah, 1000%. And I feel like it's, you know, there's parts of it that's nostalgia i mean i said at the top of this podcast i don't really watch hockey by the way for those of you that don't know i think we may have talked about this at some point but Reshin and i have something in common both of our dads have passed away when we were younger um and my dad was super into hockey so although i don't watch anymore there's like this nostalgia that comes back when playoffs are happening and you know the leafs have been trash forever but it Reminds me of my dad, and there's like yeah. this comforting feeling that I know he would be watching if he was still around, and I'm sure you experienced this. Totally, thing. it's so connecting. And Rachel, you would have made your dad a Browns fan, and he would have <laughs> been here, and then he would be with us. Oh. With I'll say, guys, maybe the curse is broken after Cleveland won in 2016. The Browns last year 
had a really fun team. Really, really fun. We it had was Baker Mayfield, to be a Browns Nick fan. Chubb, yes. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. Like we were fun. It's a fun team. Yes. We didn't quite live up, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but this year we got an additional weapon. We got Austin Hooper, mm-hmm. and we Browns fans anew lick our wounds. We come back <laughs> reignited <laughs> for a new season because that's how we do it. I got to say, Browns fans, resilient as they come. I want you to know that like our stadium has been nicknamed the Factory of Sadness. And so I just want to tell you, Rachel, welcome to the Factory of Sadness. <laughs> it's a resilient place. <laughs> Honored to be here. So I guess all I want to say in this kind of unsettling time where the hits keep coming is that as a Cleveland fan, we will get through this. Yeah. Sports as you and I know, are so much bigger than just the players and the field or the court and the scores. Mm -hmm. It, like, brings cities together. It brings people together. It brings different kinds of people together, united about something that's kind of bigger than them. And so I think that's why you and I love them beyond the stats and the the plays. I think that's, like, it's so special to us. Like, I think it's, like, for us, it's so personal with our dads. Yeah, 1,000%. And I feel like also sports is the most... Maybe besides like food and water, sports is like the most universal thing across yes. the entire world, whether it's like people in India watching cricket or people in England watching soccer or us here watching football. Like all of us have that in common. Yeah. So just to wrap it up, at this time when we're all holding so much, I was reminded by my president, Brene Brown, that comparative <laughs> suffering right now is not constructive. But what is helpful is gratitude. So even though the story we just talked about and my life and now yours as a Cleveland sports fan can feel tragic at times, I think it's also a story of resilience and connection. And I want to take a minute to express my gratitude to my dad and to yours. Today's the 10th anniversary of my dad passing away. And so I feel like wow. it's like I very... legitimately have goosebumps. Yeah. You can see them on Zoom. This is for you, dad. That's amazing. But I want to express my gratitude to my dad and to yours. Yeah. But my dad for imbuing my home with Cleveland sports and to the Browns, whom I don't think it's hyperbole to say I'm a better human for having been a fan of all these years. That was beautifully said. And I feel like you're always going to have that with your dad. Like our dads aren't around anymore. Yeah. But we have those. But things it is that, something we carry about. Yeah. Them. We have those things that like connect us to them. For me, it's like music with my dad because I don't like hockey. That was like one thing right. that he couldn't get me to. <laughs> that was not the bandwagon that I that I jumped on with him. To Fair. you, it's it's like football and all of these sports. And Cleveland that's so sports. special. That's really it's nice. the best. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for sharing. I feel like sports can be so unbelievably connecting and such a bomb. And I know that you are and I am grateful for them and missing them. For sure. But anyway, we'll be back next week. The new story. Bye, guys. Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. Hold up. 